After a busy offseason of trades, free agent signings, and 10 draft picks, what does the Chicago Bears roster look like around Justin Fields and Matt Eberflew's second season as head coach? We're breaking that down today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to thank you for making Lockdown NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Joe, happy Monday. Happy Chicago Bears film study day to you. Um, I don't know what else you got for holidays. Anything? Oh, it's happy Boston's down three nothing in the uh, <laughs> Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, you hate to see it. You you do. You, you just do. You know, you know. ESPN would still tell you that Boston has a seven out of ten chance to win the series down three nothing. No, according to where, the where, uh, where do I get in on that? The analytics there. Yeah, <laughs> they've got like the betting odds, and Miami's like minus two hundred to win the series. And then the ESPN analytics thing is like Boston seventy percent. And it's like mm, I don't think so. I think not. I think I don't not. Think so, so Jimmy if there's one thing we can bond in that's not football related, it is the misery of Boston sports. So yeah, well they don't have much misery. So what y'all can dunk on us, whatever well, we know about all. It, Go ahead. Things are are a little glum right now. They are, but they've had historically title. They've had multiple lifetimes. Yes. Of achievement. Correct. Correct. So just, yeah. Super spoiled. We, we get it. You guys are spoiled. We're jealous. That's all it is. So misery loves company. and Yeah. Wel- welcome to life as the rest of us. Right. Uh, as of the last couple of years. So anyway, Chicago Bears is our subject of speaking of, of misery loving company. It was rough year last year for Chicago. Obviously year one of Matt Eberflus as the head coach and a new regime, and Ryan Poles as the general manager of this organization. So he kind of figured it would be a foundational year, and sure enough, it was from a performance perspective. Chicago kind of overachieved early, right? Won a couple of games early, won that wet game against San Francisco in week one with a couple of sloppy turnovers, and they end up losing out and getting the number one overall pick, trading to number nine, getting a boatload of extra draft capital, a job very well done from Ryan Poles for a rebuilding franchise to take the necessary fundamental steps to optimize having a young quarterback and getting multiple first-round picks and getting a franchise cornerstone in uh, DJ Moore in that trade. But I I think this conversation with Chicago has to start with Justin Fields uh, coming into his, what, third season? as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I have a lot of thoughts about Fields, but Joe, you and I have not talked about Fields since we did the film study. 
Mm-hmm. Would love to to hear what you thought of Justin Fields specifically, and obviously we'll, we're going to talk about his situation on Friday when we look at the rest of the 2020 quarterback class. I thought it was an encouraging year for Justin Fields with Luke Getze now as this offensive coordinator. There was some good in-season evolution with how they evolved their passing game. Obviously, the rushing profile is really, really exciting with what he was able to do to create some plays and not just scramble like he did early, but then they kind of implemented some design runs for him as the season moved along, which I thought was smart. But you saw some of the ability to hit throws down the field. You know, that that showed up. But we're looking for this to become a more complete uh, situation here where Justin now has what I think he needs to throw the football, right? I, I think he's got the receivers and tight ends necessary to not – look at this and say well he doesn't have anything to work with and I think their offensive line has been upgraded as well we'll get into that more in their next segment but you know I think that Justin Fields has had plenty of opportunity to fail forward in his first two seasons and um, I'm excited to see again what it looks like with his second season with Luke Getze in in his third year yeah I, I thought there were especially when they started calling the design runs and they're adding the extra gap, and they're using his speed to the outside and zone reading, and then they're running QB power and QB sweep and pulling offensive linemen and blocking down and and getting them on the perimeter and having all the backfield misdirection. I think it really amplified Justin Fields' best traits, and I also think it made the offense better as a whole as far as what that allowed them to cover up. And as you said, we'll, we'll talk about that in segment two. But Justin, I thought... The areas in which he shined was throwing the ball down the field, uh, the the shot plays down the field, the big the big plays, the deep crossers, the go balls, the big posts, and then obviously that ball handling and mm-hmm. ability to run the ball. I really am interested in seeing him kind of speed up his cadence as a passer, and I don't just mean reading the field did you notice like on drop back game his footwork was it was clean but it felt like it was very casual right and when you're in drop back game and if you're not getting to the top of the drop with urgency I think there were times where that impacted the potential timing of some of Chicago's passing concepts and he's at the top of his drop and it's probably he's missed the first window for a throw And then he has to kind of work off schedule. Whereas I think him coming out of snaps and receiving the snap and getting back onto his platform quicker will allow him and the offense to be more in rhythm with consistency. I don't think it's necessarily a reading of the field issue. I think it's by the time he gets back there and is set up to throw, there's not the proper cadence in his drops to go with some of the route concepts. I think it's a good observation. And I wonder how much of that stems from zone and man indicators and how much his running ability really impacts his ability to produce. And, you know, I've, I've read some quotes of his about, you know, when he's seeing zone coverage, how he wants to find holes and when it's man coverage, then he starts to think a little bit more about running. And those are obvious things that any quarterback would say, but you know, maybe there's some opportunity here to build in some more indicators so that he can identify quicker and have more urgency with his drop because, you know, slow drops tends 
it leads me to think that he's thinking a lot and he's searching for something. And if he can get some of those, some of that picture a little bit more clear pre-snap, I think that's going to help him speed up that process and, and take advantage of those earlier windows in his drops. What did you think of his quick ball handling skills and quick game and screen game? Outstanding. I thought it was outstanding, especially on some of the rollout type stuff where, you know, ball handling in particular, his fakes, how he would use his body to like keep the defense held and force them to commit to certain sides and like work back across. Like I thought his sleight of hand and his ball handling in general was really, really good. What did you think of the timing in the quick game and the screen game? I wish he had different players to throw the ball to. Like I'm watching him dump it off to like chase Claypool. And I'm like, man, if that was DJ Moore, and it's going to be, I like this a whole lot more, but yeah, I think, I think some of that needs to get better. Yeah. I, so, so for me, it's a lot of little things about playing the quarterback position more complimentary. I don't see any issues with him reading and processing the field. Right. I think you make a great point talking about the, post-snap reading of man versus zone and having to walk that tightrope for being such a dynamic player versus having the ability to throw the ball in all levels of the field. Um, But I I think when your timing's maybe a little bit off, I think when you're trying to throw quick game and and you're maybe not super efficient with your feet, the ball kind of gets out a little bit late in some of the quick game as well, and then your receivers on the perimeter are losing valuable separation in which they could create more yardage after the catch. Those players need to be better and they will be better this year as well. Um, I think some of his touch throws, I thought he struggled with intermediate touch throws getting up over top of the second level. And I think some of that is, is all related to where the receivers are in relation to defenders and how he, when he gets to that point in the progression, when he's actually at the top of the drop, he might have to work harder to get a ball up over top of somebody. So I think it's a, it's the deep play action passing game, the rollout game, the naked game, that's all really good now. And, and I think that's where he's at his absolute best. The running game components and what they can do from schemed quarterback run and then against man coverage is excellent as well. But if Justin Fields is going to take the next step, I think it goes beyond just getting better players available. And I don't think it is, well, he can't read the field. I don't think that's his problem. I think it's just getting technical refinement with drop back game in intermediate and getting back there and getting set up and being ready to, if I know I'm going to throw the quick smoke to the perimeter, take my shuffle step and out, right? And get the ball out and set yourself up for more instead of taking a rocker step and then hinging and open. And then maybe you leave your lower half behind you and you, you kind of force that throw and you saw some bubble throws where he, wasn't accurate throwing quick routine throws quick to the perimeter. So I think you just add some polish beyond what his physical tools are going to give you. And that's going to allow him in addition to a better supporting cast around him to be the player that we thought he was going to be coming out of Ohio state because he's not quite there as a passer yet, but it's foundationally it's there. And I think he's just got to add polish to it. I don't think this is an issue of reading the field or anything like that. All right, so we're going to expand this conversation to the entire offense here in the next segment. But first, we need to tell you about FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So if you want to get in on the Celtics and then making a comeback here against Miami, 
All the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs are happening. MLB is in full swing. You've got NFL futures. They got some fun win totals if you like to bet on the over-under and you feel good about a team or you think a team's a little overrated. Head on over to FanDuel because there's no better place to bet on all the playoff action and sports in general than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. So now we get to talk about the offense. And let me pull up. I'll pull up for those who are watching on YouTube. uh, The depth chart that we have for the Chicago Bears. Uh, This offensive line, Joe, looks pretty good. And I thought there were some really bright moments, particularly in the run game with the kinds of players that they went out and and had last year uh, in the run game to create vertical push and vertical movement. A lot of power concepts here. Um, But I think you take the young players that are developing players and you add Darnell Wright and Nate Davis to the right side of this offensive line. I think this line looks pretty good. Yeah, and I think Braxton Jones coming in and and offering what he did as a rookie at left tackle was very, very encouraging. And so is Tevin Jenkins and his development at guard, right? It was kind of a bumpy start there, availability issues. You know, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? I thought he really stabilized himself at guard and looks like he's going to be an impact starter for them. I get Cody Whitehair back at center for the first time in a few years. We know he can play there. And then, of course, the, the the new arrivals here of Nate Davis, who they paid pretty well to come over from Tennessee. He's a good run blocker. And then Darnell Wright, who's a, a good run blocker as well. And so uh, they got some people movers here, man. They, they, this is a, a team that can really create some displacement in the run game with what they have and some good range there with Cody Whitehair. So I like the makeup of this offensive line and how Ryan Poles was able to, you know, improve it in, in a very intentional way coming out of last season. So – we get done complimenting the offensive line and said they did some things really well, but Justin Fields was sacked more than any other quarterback in the league last year with 55 sacks. That was 15% of his dropbacks were ended in sacks. That number can't be there, right? Some of that's on the offensive line, and Darnell Wright, I think, will help, and Nate Davis, I think, will help. I thought Chicago was a little soft up the middle, and then right tackle was a big problem. Uh, I thought there was uh, Cody Whitehair in some of the games that I watched playing at guard. Uh, I thought he was overtaken pretty quickly. Uh, I th- I thought Javon Hargrave in the Philadelphia game late in the season really tested him in a number of reps. And then right tackle kind of felt like it was once Riley Reef was in and out of the lineup, it, it kind of just became a musical chairs type thing and they never really settled in. So I think that'll help. But I also think having a better complementary vision of what the offense is going to be that they kind of adjusted to as the season went on last year will help as well because of how much misdirection, threat of QB run. How how many true pass sets did this offensive line feel like it took last year unless it was third and long? Right. Not many. That might be necessary for Darnell Wright, you know what I mean, to kind of still lean into some of that. But Well, and that was Tevin Jenkins coming out of Oklahoma State too. Yeah, yeah. That was that whole conversation was, well, you know, he, he never really took pass sets because they RPO'd so much. And he was just a block blocking the A level of the defense. I think marrying some of that will be helpful, but then the responsibility will then go to Justin Fields to understand, hey, if we're blocking run and it's RPO or we're blocking a zone read and you pull the ball, you gotta take care of it and you gotta avoid negative plays. So I think some of that's Justin and some of that's also conceptually uh how they're doing it. But I I think the direction that they went 
kind of help and put these guys who were road graders to a lot of full slides, a lot of run blocking looks, even in the passing game. I think all of that will will be very productive for Chicago and in integrating these new pieces too. Yeah, and I I like Sam Mustafer. He he's been their center the last two years. I, mm-hmm. He's no longer here. I think Cody Whitehair is going to be a better player at center. I think they're going to get better because now like the musical chairs here are are good. They're good. I, I think Mustafer has been replacement level center for them and and. Cody Whitehair, I think, could be an above average, at least average center. Yeah, and, and we obviously have him graded right now as an adequate level starter, uh, along with Nate Davis and Braxton Jones on that offensive line. Tevin Jenkins, Joe, you mentioned the big jump there. Have some nice depth between guys that have, have had flashes of playing and Lucas Patrick, of course, a uh, couple different spots. And then Larry Borum has, has kind of been in and out of the lineup as a young player, but has kept his head above water. Uh, the skill group, though, I I really like the makeup of this skill group. Uh, I'm going to give you the chance to give your flowers to DJ Moore, and I'll get <laughs> out of the way. I know you're eager to do that, so go ahead. Well, I, I love DJ Moore. He's a player that, I mean, I loved him at Maryland, loved him with the Panthers, and it's like you look at this entire journey, and it's not a lot of stability at the quarterback position, but he's still been able to produce. And I think whether it's yards after catch, uh, separation, down the field at all three levels. I mean, this guy's a this guy's a true number one receiver, and we know that they needed this. And I think that's only going to help a guy like Darnell Mooney, who hasn't had that much help so far in his career. Um, and you know, we'll see what happens with Chase Claypool. I think as now further down the totem pole, he should probably be the fourth option in this passing game, right? It should be more Mooney and Cole Komet, and then you start to talk about the Chase Claypools of the world. And I think that's a much healthier spot for him to be in. And I know that he's got some size and some straight line athleticism as well. And EQ St. Brown is a reasonable depth piece. So Tyler Scott's a rookie that I like now. Valus Jones. I mean, that guy needs to really uh, undo a lot of stuff that he did last year. He was, he was a brother. <laughs> that was, that was a, an adventure. Anytime he was called upon to do anything. But um, I think that the, the arrival here of DJ Moore is very, very significant for how it, uh, redistributes the targets in this passing game and, and gives them a real number one. When did they draft Vellis Jones? He's a third-round pick. Third-round pick? Yeah. That's a hard pill to swallow to, to take a two for Chase Claypool that ended up being 32nd overall. And yeah. remember, we only had 31. Yeah, we don't get too many chances to bring it up anymore, but we only had <laughs> Glad only you had of all people can, can Yeah, do of it. course. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I would be inclined to agree with you that the domino effect of DJ Moore going immediately into the top and being the player that he is should cast more favorable. I mean, Darnell Mooney's been an awesome player since he came in, but he's always kind of felt like the one and (laughs) for him to be the two. Yes. I I think puts him in much more favorable situations to can more consistently win one-on-ones have less opportunities where you're really getting jammed at the line of scrimmage or dealing with contact in the contact window, get a little bit more room to work. You can move him around the formation a little bit more. I think it's really good. I I really like the makeup of what has been put around Justin Fields. So if you are going to, I don't want to say this year's a a make or break, right? Because I hate that. He's under contract in 2024. Rookie contract still. They'll have to make a fifth-year option decision after this year. But if you're doing the things to put your quarterback in a position to take the next step and continue to mature, 
I think Chicago did it the right way with what they were, at the end of the day, able to acquire for the number one overall pick with DJ Moore, a first-round offensive tackle, signing offensive lineman, having the, the evolution of the scheme. And we didn't really talk about running back. I know we could touch on that quickly because we're both big fans of Dante Foreman, but well, David Montgomery has been a productive but not super high efficiency per carry player for the Bears. Um, Khalil Herbert showed some nice flashes as a, a low-round draft pick, and I think him on third downs will also be very helpful uh, for Chicago, but I would not be surprised if Foreman from Montgomery is a lateral move at worst for Chicago. Oh, I'll say it out loud. I think this running back situation is better. Okay. I don't I, disagree I, with you. And, and, it, and it's not just Montgomery versus Foreman. Like, that's that's not it. I, I like Foreman a lot, but it's it's Roshan Johnson as an addition and to Travis the draft. Homer. And Travis Homer, who's a, Homer's a nice a, another special three down, teams, three yeah. down ability. Yeah, and he's got some athleticism too. So I think this is a deeper – more diverse group of running backs. And we know that this team's going to want to run the football. So I, I think this is a better running back situation. And Cole Komet's coming along very nicely at tight end. A lot to like offensively. It's you can, you can say comfortably that they're better at receiver, tight end, running back, offensive tackle, and interior offensive line. There's no question about it. Hold on, I'm just looking at the scoring chart. So, yeah, this is um, this scores pretty favorably compared to the rosters that we've done thus far, yeah. offensively. Now, obviously, there's a big mystery component in what the ceiling is with just Justin Fields, and that's going to determine how high the Bears fly. Uh, but we also have the defensive side of the ball to to tackle here as well, Joe. So, uh, one thing we don't have to do is come to consensus on any of these players. We we largely saw this roster the same. We kind of pre-show ironed out the few discrepancies that we had so that we could have an appropriate level of conversation surrounding Justin Fields is probably a polarizing player for a lot of people. So we've done that. We've accomplished the offensive side of the ball. And we're going to finish here on this episode of Locked On NFL Scouting with the defensive side of the ball. Do you want the good news or the bad news defensively? Um, I guess the good news the good news, this linebacker room's awesome. <laughs> we'll go ahead. We'll put the depth chart up. Signed Tremaine Emmons. Signed TJ Edwards. Heard about it, yeah. Noah Sewell, kind of a nice sneaky add in, on day three this year's draft. And then Jack Sanborn as a UDFA last year, who Came somebody... He can play. Yeah. Are, are you surprised that they signed both of these linebackers with the way Sanborn played the last two months of the year last year? No. I liked what Sanborn did, but I still think there's limitations there. Maybe more so Edwards. Maybe you feel like you can you can, you can can roll with Sanborn in the exact same vision that you had for Edwards and save some money and maybe reallocated that to the D-line. But um, that That was going to be my argument. And well, yeah, like, if you make that I, argument, I lo- I'm, I'm there. Yeah, I love TJ Edwards as a player, too. I think he's a quality. We both graded him as a quality starter. He was phenomenal last year for Philadelphia. Behind a really good D-line. Behind a really good D-line. And the questions with TJ Edwards and why he got drafted late was, well, there's some athletic limitations here. He played at Wisconsin. He's super high football IQ. 
physical, has enough sideline to sideline range. Like, I'm sorry, Jack Sanborn's all the same things. So if it were me, and it's not me, I'm not Ryan Poles, and that's okay, and I'm not Luke Getze, but if it were me, I maybe would have done what you just floated out there and taken that, what was it, $8 million that Edwards got? $7 million that Edwards got? And I'd have tried to sign a defensive lineman, particularly somebody to rush off the edge. Kyle, it wasn't money for this team. They had all the cap space in the world. They just didn't right. do – They didn't, like what we're getting to here is we think this defensive line is a major, major problem. I think on the edge, on the interior, they don't have a whole lot in the way of starting caliber players. And it's very, very underwhelming. I mean, we'll see you, Gervin Dexter, Zach Pickens. Those are toolsy draft picks. Like, they need to pan out. But this edge rusher situation and what you know that you have on at defensive tackle is very, very concerning. And I would have been much more deliberate if I were Ryan Poles to improve this situation this offseason with the resources that he had. And I'm just sitting here looking at some of these um, salaries for edge rushers that win in free agency this year. And there's not a lot of great values, right? Like Zach Allen went for 15-plus per. We, we're not interested in that. I'm not going to give you a hard time about that. Uh, Samson Ebicom, three for 24. I mean, that's only a million dollars more than what you already gave Demarcus Walker. Yeah. Agbo Okoronkwu? Yeah, three for 19. He's cheaper than what you paid to Marcus Walker. And obviously, they're different body types, different players. Dalvin Tomlinson, I would have been in on. But you're also rolling with, like, Gervon Dexter, I think, has some inside-outside capability that you drafted in the second round. And then Rasheem Green, I think, has some inside-outside capability as well. So if DeMarcus Walker, that body type, I think both Gervon Dexter and Rasheem Green could also simultaneously fill that hybrid end role. At base end. Marcus Davenport, I, w- I would have been interested on. I'd be interested in some of the players that are still out there. Frank Clark, Carlos Dunlap. Yeah, maybe that's maybe Yannick. that's the move for Chicago if they yeah, if they, they really want to compete. Because, I mean, between – we mentioned the two power ends in Demarcus Walker and Rasheem Green. Leonard Floyd, go sign these players. Who are your, your, your speed guys are Dom Robinson as a fifth-round pick last year and Travis Gibson who – did not look effective last year in any capacity. I just, I, there's a lot of stuff I like on this defense. I like the youth in the secondary between Jaquan Brisker and Kyler. Kyler Gordon need to play more early last year. Need to play more earlier. Did he deal with injuries? Kyler? Uh, I can't remember. I cannot remember. And then you got Tyreek Stevenson. The linebacker group duo, a trio, I would even say, of Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, and Zach Sambor. Like, the back seven's got a lot going for it. My worry is how the front, defensive front, sets them up for success. Bring back Leonard Floyd yesterday. (laughs) Right? He's out there, man. Do it. Yeah, this knee line's a concern. What do you think of these corners? I think we have potential. Tyreek Stevenson, uh, Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon as your, you know, your two outside guys. Gordon probably your slot player. I think there's a lot of upside there. Physical group. I worry about the pass rush not allowing them to play their best football. I don't love their depth. 
but I think that's a potent trio of young players. And I, I really like how Eddie Jackson bounced back last year. It's hard to forget the two years before that, but he played a lot better. And Jaquan Brisker looks like a stud in the making at safety. Right. But I wonder how much I wonder how much you are ruining your young DBs and you're ruining these investments at linebacker by what you have at D line. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds, I love him. I will defend him to to till the end of the earth. But he's not a good take on player. He's not a good like necessarily great downhill player. And you are not going to be able to maximize his ability with this D line. Same thing with TJ Edwards, and that's why I was deliberate in saying, yeah, he was really good behind that Eagles amazing D line. And I mean, this is night and day different. Okay, so cler- clerical note on Kyler Gordon. I did the research. He did play early. Um, he dealt with, I think it was, it looked like a concussion at one point, uh, and then he did not play in the season finale. And wouldn't you know? <laughs> I watched two games from the stretch that he missed with the concussion, and I watched the season finale. Oh, now I I watched the Miami game. I watched the Washington game, and I watched the Philadelphia game, which he played in, and he like he played well in two out of those three. I thought he played really well in two out of those three games. My so. uh, my my exposures were well; I, they were part of my pro scouting responsibilities for TDN last year. So I watched one game every, every out of every four last year. But my refresher was Miami. Um, and that was that game had a little bit of everything, <laughs> a little bit of everything in it. <laughs> Emotional roller coaster, dude. <laughs> Game had a little bit of everything. That's what I'll say about it. Um, but I think those DBs have some upside. I do, but it's gonna be, they're gonna have to cover for a long time. What um, what do you think of the makeup relative to the North, the NFC North? Packers, Lions, Vikings. Yeah. I don't I don't love that, Kyle. Just worried about again the line, being able to control the line of scrimmage up front. Yeah. I, I, their old line should will be, be okay. fine. Yeah. Billings will be fine. He's a serviceable one tech, but like there's just not enough here on this D line. So Chicago, go sign some free agents. Yeah. Right. Sign Frank Clark and Leonard Floyd tomorrow. We're even past the uh the compensatory pick window, so you don't gotta worry about that either. Oh, they're not getting any brother, they signed Tremaine I and he's understand. <laughs> just saying. You know, there's <laughs> nothing holding you back at this point. But here's like what we're concerned about the D line. I'm sure anybody in the world is concerned about it. But like to come through this off season, if you're Ryan Poles with two players that we label as roster cornerstones and DJ Moore and Tremaine Edmonds, that's as new significant. Additions. Yeah. To come away with the draft capital that you did from moving back, I mean that that's significant. We think everything on offense is better, and that's that was always the the conversation going into the offseason was you got to get this better around Justin Fields. Box checked. Well, you still added a cornerstone on defense and some exciting young talent on defense. It's just this D line. Yeah, and how they how they are able to circumvent that is going to determine, along with Justin Fields' play, how how effective this football team is this year. I will say this about Matt Eberflus going back to uh, the Colts. He did a phenomenal job of getting players to play their best football on that D-line. I think about uh, like Danico Autry, what he was able to kind of turn into when he went over there. Um, You know, even Grover Stewart developing him. Like he's got a nice track record here. But man, I wish he had more to work with. And that's exciting for like Dexter and and Pickens. But 
I, I feel pretty good about what guys like Justin Jones and Rasheen Green and Demarcus Walker are in the NFL. You know, right. so we'll see. So that's the Chicago Bears. Any final thoughts? Um, for those that are doing this with us, well, we have a prospect tomorrow. Who? Olu Fashanu, offensive tackle, Pennsylvania State, Nittany Lions. Excellent. And what is a Nittany Lion, Joe? It's a it's a, uh, a a lion from the Nittany uh, Mountain Range. That's right. Yeah. So you didn't always lot, think that. You, you know, a lot of people a lot of people might not know either. You know, so <laughs> that's uh, that's tomorrow. Olu Fashanu tomorrow, and then Wednesday is. Wednesday is the San Francisco 49ers, so. Oh, boy. Play along with us. We're doing San Francisco and then. Jacksonville. Jacksonville. And then New England? Then New England. And then we'll do the 2020 quarterback class. 2021. 2021 quarterback class. Yeah. Uh, Tomato, tomato. Okay. So we got great programming ahead of us. Plan accordingly. Hit subscribe here on the podcast. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. We are the Draft Dudes. We are out of here. Make it a great rest of your Monday. We'll be back to talk to you all again tomorrow. Peace.